follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Blow it out, big man. Clarence Clements, 41 years with Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band. 69 years of life here on planet Earth. The man led a life filled with blues, funk, and good old-fashioned Asbury Park rock and roll. He first met Bruce Springsteen in the Stone Pony, and they spent two weeks together. The two of them were inseparable. This week marks the passing of the big man, Clarence Clements. And this is how we're going to kick off our week. June 11th, 2011. This is Bruce the Sports Doc paying tribute to Clarence Clements. Remembering the last tour at the Old Spectrum. Before they tore the place down. I remember what they had to do to accommodate Clarence. They actually had a hydraulic lift. And they lifted him up to the stage on a lift. He was unable to walk. But when he got there, he was phenomenal. One of the best saxophone players of all time. However, looking back on that tour, Clarence shared with his fans and said, The whole tour was like hell. All the chronic illnesses, all the pain, the knee replacements, the lumbar fusion. Wow, we're getting back to sports medicine. It turns out that Clarence was in pain. And this year, this week, Clarence passed on to join the other legends like Miles Davis. We're here to talk about Rory McIlroy, who's on the other end of things. He's beginning a career, a great career as he just won the U.S. Open by a record 16 under. I'm here in studio with Spencer the Wizard. And Spencer, I'd like to hear your thoughts as a young golfer, as one who's merely six years younger than Rory, 
What 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 are your thoughts about watching the U.S. Open with Rory McIlroy? Well, it it really was incredible watching the U.S. Open and seeing how resilient this guy has been this year and really last year. Uh, Rory's always been a good starter. Um, you know, the past six tournaments, I think, through the first uh, the past six majors, the first four majors, he was he was leading after the first round. He shot a sixty five. Uh, at the British Open last year, um, and here he he started out well again. It was just a question on whether he could finish. And you know, after choking, you know, the last day at the Masters, for him to come back and finish the job and come out with this new attitude um, of really never being satisfied and hunting down the field. I was just amazed, and Rory McIlroy is definitely my golfing role model. Just an incredible performance this week at Congressional. He dominated. Well, in looking at it, it appears that there are three things different between the Masters and the U.S. Open. Firstly, he came with a new swagger, an arrogance. As you said earlier, he wasn't playing not to lose. He set little goals for himself. In the last round... He wasn't thinking about the championship. He was thinking about shooting in the, in the 60s. He was thinking about making a few birdies. And in golf, you have to play in the present. So he was thinking in the present. He was worrying about each shot one at a time. And that was an important part of his attitude. Another thing is, as far as perspective, he's a young guy. He's 22 years old. He just spent some time on the island of Haiti, a place that was completely devastated by a hurricane, Famine, poverty, sickness, and death. So he just visited that place. And he saw people who truly had suffered. And he said once he compared himself to that, even if he shot a horrible score, he still was on the PGA Tour. He had a great life. He had plenty of money. And he realized that even in his worst day, he would be pretty good. And finally... He brought with him his new putting coach, Dave Stockton. So he had a support system, and also he had his parents. Spencer, I know you've paid great attention to his upbringing in Northern Ireland. Tell us a bit about what role his parents played in his victory and in his support over the years. Well, as we saw after he um, after he won the U.S. Open on the 18th green, after he made his tap into uh, complete the task at 16 under par, uh, he embraced a Father's Day moment with his dad, and you could just see that moment actually brought tears to my eyes, and it was so emotional for me watching that on television. Uh, his dad was a bartender. Um, in Ireland, and his mom was also a working mother, just a working-class family that had to work for every dime, and really a heroic story, um, and the McElroy family, uh, you know, they deserve to have a great week, and it's just so nice to, for the game of golf to see such a family man um, gaining, such, gaining the spotlight, and he could become our next star, so, yeah. Now... We heard an interview with Jack Nicholas, and Jack is one who I think has a great perspective for history, and Jack shared his thoughts about Rory McIlroy. Well, Jack really just gave Rory McIlroy his advice. Um, Jack Nicholas doesn't talk to many players on the PGA Tour, and Jack Nicholas could see that this man 
he might be ready to take the torch of the game of golf. And Jack Nicholas said of Rory McIlroy is that he is one of the best listeners that he has ever seen. Rory McIlroy digested everything that Jack Nicholas has said. And that really paid off for him this week at Congressional. And it probably will pay off um, leading forward. Now, I actually have a question for you. Um, everyone in the media, after Rory has just won his first major championship, everyone is already comparing him to the greats like Woods and Nicholas. Do you think McElroy, with all these expectations, will it get to him? And will he possibly be affected like some other superstars today in sports like LeBron James? Well, my view is I think that he is very well grounded. I think he's got good values. He's got a lot of support. He has his, uh, his agent, Chubby Chandler, who's a really funny guy. And knowing people from Ireland, they, they really don't take themselves too seriously. So my, my view is, number one, He's technically excellent. He's one of the best golf swings I've ever seen. His fluidity through the ball is spectacular. His putting is flawless. And I believe that he won't carry the baggage around. There's so many USL Open champions who all of a sudden, when they play another regular tournament, they think they're going to win. They expect to win. And when something goes wrong, they fall apart. So I really believe that he's going to have a great career. And it's almost... If we look at Tiger Woods, we almost see a trajectory of decline with Tiger. How, when he was young, he was the all-American boy. He was beloved. He was close to his dad. His reputation was untarnished. With McElroy um, and the expectations, the great news about the sport of golf is that this is a sport that that you know, players can play for a lifetime. Now, I know some, like Tiger Woods right now, has been undergoing injury, but knock on wood for Rory to have a healthy and uh, injury-free career as a golfer. And really, you could play this sport up until your 60s or 70s. So there won't be a lackage of time for Rory to complete his goals on the game of golf. And I think that that will help him ease the stress of all the of all the hype and all the expectations is that he will have many opportunities to compete in these four major championships each and every year. Um, and with Tiger Woods, really, I, how do you think Tiger Woods, with seeing this new man get so much exposure, and, and people are really starting to forget Tiger and focus on Rory. As you heard the gallery, uh, you know, the last two days of the U.S. Open at Congression, they were saying, Rory, Rory. How do you think Tiger Woods sitting back and watching that? Do you think he's feeling like, oh, man, I, I, want, I want that back. I want the fans to be thinking about me. I want them to think I'm the man, and this guy's kind of stealing my thunder. What do you think Tiger's thinking while all this is going on? Well, I, I, Tiger is a very private person. Not many people really know what he's thinking. I don't believe he's a jealous person. I, I believe Tiger, despite his transgressions, uh, is really rooting for Rory. Rory is great for the game of golf. And it's interesting to see in the era, in the era where the Ryder Cup is such a vigorous competition between the Americans and the Europeans, I can't recall a gallery cheering so hard for a European player as Rory McIlroy. 
you know, you know, um, really what attracts people to, to sports is really having that one superstar. You know, you see the game of tennis and this um, this decade with Federer and Nadal, their rivalries have attracted many to, to watching the, the finals and the ratings have been going up watching the Federer and Nadal matchups. And, you know, the last, you know, 10 ch- championship winners, you have guys like Harrington and McDowell and, um, and Ustazen and... But golf really, really needs that that one guy to kind of carry the torch. And McElroy has the sweetest swing I have ever seen. When I go out on the golf course, I try to finish my swing like McElroy. And, and really, he just has it all working for him. His putting, his iron play. And really, this is what the game of golf needs is the successor to, to really the Tiger era and they really just need the they really just need a guy to step out and bring fans to the game of golf and really Rory McIlroy just just an just an incredible performance this week and i think we might have found that guy you know in this game well this ends the first segment of Bruce's sports talk stay tuned for an interview with Mark Bavaro Joe Morris and Mark Collins and of course You're going to hear from Dr. Joseph Fernandez, and he's going to talk about ACL tears and surgical treatment therein. So we've got a really eclectic show today, beginning with a tribute to Clarence Clemens, and also there will be a bit of a roundtable discussion with the New York Giants of 86 as we continue to share audio footage with the listening audience. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports dr bruce grossinger is a board certified neurologist and managing partner of grossinger neuropain specialist serving the philadelphia and wilmington delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine pain management interventional spinal surgeries and occupational medicine dr bruce is the director of the national sports concussion program and works as a senior medical advisor for the national high school coaches association We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your 
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Mark Bavaro has demonstrated through his life very humble, low-key personality, though many considered Mark Bavaro to be a Hall of Famer. He finished nine NFL seasons with 351 receptions, over 4,700 yards, and 39 touchdowns. Most importantly, he sports two Super Bowl rings with the New York Giants. His most famous play was called simply the catch. Monday Night Football, 2005. Playing against the San Francisco 49ers. He catches a pass from Phil Simms. It took seven 49ers defenders to drag him down, including Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott. He dragged some of the players for 20 yards. This inspiring play jump started the Giants who would eventually win the Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos. Throughout his life, Bavaro has displayed a humble, low-key, blue-collar personality and cemented his tough-guy reputation when he played for six weeks with a broken jaw, having to sip food through a straw. He was also an excellent blocker. In the next segment... Mark Bavaro will talk to Bruce the Sports Doc, that would be me, and discuss his life and remembrances of the 1986 Super Bowl season. We're here at the reunion with, uh, with Mr. Mark Bavaro, certainly a central figure in the 1986 Super Bowl. Mark has always been thought as, as one of the most thoughtful, soft-spoken, but introspective players of the Giants. And he's kind enough to, to say a few words today. I know yesterday was an emotional day when everybody came together. Could you just share a few thoughts with us today? Oh, it was just good to see everybody. And a lot of these guys I haven't seen in 25 years. So uh, it, was, it was just nice all together in one spot. And it seemed like, you know, time really never had passed. It really seems like the bond between the players is very special on this team. I... I cover a lot of different teams and different sports, but it seems like everybody really comes together and everybody helps each other out, particularly those who haven't been so fortunate over time. Yeah, I mean, this, is, this was a, definitely a special group of guys. I mean, in my career, I play with many teams, but this one definitely was special. I mean, this, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that I can put my finger on it, but I think a lot of it has to do with, with the, the type of the type of uh, personalities that were assembled here, and that's, you know, credit to Bill Parcells and, and George Young. Um, but you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't see this, this group of guys on any other team, uh, not, certainly not any other team that I, I have ever been on. Even the 90 Giants w- w- were different than this group. 
this was this so this was really a special group and it was Harry really took it upon himself to bring everybody together and it's amazing how virtually to a man any anybody who was healthy enough to come here uh, including all the players and coaches have made it and that's very special for a reunion well I think it, it speaks a lot to the to the time the era of, of our days here you know it was it was before free agency there was a hierarchy on teams you know, Harry and George Martin, they were definitely the, the team leaders. Not, not just team leaders, they were like the team elders, you know. They were almost, they were almost father figures to, to everybody. Uh, it was a lot of respect, and when, those, when guys like that put something on, we all follow, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and I know <coughs> there's going to be a part of the presentation is the Mark Bavaro catch. Could you just talk about, I know you, you don't like talking about your own accomplishments, but what are your recollections about that, that particular catch? I just remember being bad tackling, you know. It wasn't anything, it wasn't any more effort than any other play I ever had. It was just, uh, it, was, it was poor tackling on the 49ers part. Uh, if they had done their job correctly, it never would have uh, gone that far. You know, it doesn't surprise me you're such a humble man to not attribute it to, to your own skills, but to the bad tackling. And that's in keeping with Mark Pavaro. We're here at Voice America Sports, and we're really glad to spend a few minutes with Mark. Thank you so much, and enjoy this most wonderful day. Thank you, buddy. Joe Morris, a diminutive five foot seven inches, was a key linchpin in the 1986 Super Bowl season. He rushed for 313 yards in three playoff games, including a 159-yard, two-touchdown performance against the San Francisco Giants. He now works in real estate and insurance and resides in New Jersey with two of his children. You'll hear Joe Morris reflect upon his reunion with his teammates from the 1986 Super Bowl and his remembrances as well. At age 22, Mark Collins was the youngest member of the New York Giants Super Bowl team. He'll be remembered as being a steady defensive back and played a key role in the 1986 Super Bowl season. You'll find Mark to be a really engaging, likable guy. And I met up with him at the reunion with him and his small son. We're here at the 86 reunion with Joe Morris, who was fantastic running back, and uh, we want to hear about your reflections upon the last few days together rejoining your teammates. Uh, this has been a very emotional thing for me. I enjoy a lot of my teammates. I'm happy to see him. Uh, some guys just bring tears to my eyes. Mark Bavall, Zeke Moat, Maurice Carlton. These are guys that made my job so easy. The offensive linemen, uh, seeing my coaches, seeing all the defensive guys, just seeing everybody here in one place. You know, the guys who are obscure, people don't realize, Solomon Miller, the Vince Warren, that people don't know were part of that team. You know, I remember going in the hole, asking these young men, you know the play? You know what route you're running? You know what you're doing? They go, yeah, Joe, I'm good, I'm good. And they said, Joe, I remember it like it was yesterday. It happened yesterday, and it's been 25 years. So these 25 years really flew by. You happen to look great, and... Uh, it looks like everybody stayed in shape. One, one character about this team is that we all band together, and it seems like 
people who aren't as fortunate have been helped out by other people. I think you alluded to that. Tell, amplify on that a little bit. I think people care about what happens to your teammates. Uh, Jim Burke's a close friend. If he ever needed anything, he knew I'd be from any player on this team that needed my help. I would be there for him, and they know that. Um, you know, Jeff Rutledge had a car accident a couple years ago. Harry drove seven hours to Brentwood, uh, Tennessee to see him, then drove home out there just to make sure Jeff was okay because that's what a teammate does. And, you know, everybody's calling Jeff. And Jeff doesn't remember it, but he knows all his teammates try to reach out and call him. I called him just to say hi because that's what you do. You make sure your teammates are okay. It's a very special bond. And you know, I think about the game and, 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 and the big role that Jeff played in. We go in and we're going to run a fake punt, and, and then we throw a flea vicker. That's not Bill Parcells' style. He doesn't gamble like that. But that day he did because he wanted to win the Super Bowl for us. That's fantastic. So certainly that's one of the remembrances. When the game was over, could you think about what would it felt like to win the Super Bowl? To win the Super Bowl was probably the greatest athletic achievement I'd ever achieved. You know, I had a pretty uh, strange year that year. First child, uh, a chance to get in the playoffs, win a Super Bowl. And I remember thinking about it. Samantha was more important, but this was a damn close second. Well, we really appreciate your time today, Joe Morris. And to hear from Voice America Sports, thank you and enjoy your day with your teammates. Thank you. Here we are, it's Dr. Bruce, Bruce the Sports Doc, with Mark Collins, who's here part of the 86 reunion, and he's here with his son, Marco. And uh, we just wanted to have him share some of his experiences about what it's like to, re to get together with the guys. Uh, you know what, it's great. Uh, after 25 years, you know, to see these guys again, and now we're all collectively together and still alive, <laughs> it's a great deal. And uh, 1986 was my first year. And to walk in on Cal State Fullerton, some drippy, jerry-curled kid from California, uh, to win the Super Bowl is great. And it's great to see everybody. That's fantastic. question I'm sure you get all the time is, uh, What's it like to play for Bill Parcells? You know, we get all the time, and it's, it's, he's a great guy. And, and our relationship has grown over the years, and, and, and I respected him, always have. I always try to uh, impress him to like me when I played through my play. But, uh, well, I mean, of all the coaches I played for, heads above, he, he's the best coach I've ever, 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 ever played for. And uh, I understand yesterday was an emotional day when everybody got together and, uh, yeah. and saw each other. And uh, what, what were some of the thoughts that, that, that approach that, that were going through your head during some of those speeches and testimonials? Well, uh, and I was, one, I was one of those who spoke also. Uh, you know, the emotions of how we came together as a team from all over the country and different backgrounds, different walks of life, and we put it together and, and, and got a championship out of it. Uh, and more so than that, and, and this is a testament to Bill Parcells to bring all of us together uh, to win a championship. But I tell you, when you look around here, and I've been around the league, this team is still tight. We care, I mean, truly care about each other. It's not just we played for a guy played for one year and then left somewhere else. Um, we still care about each other. And, it, and you, you feel it in the room even now. You can feel it. We generally care and, and love each other, and, and it's evident. Well, you know what? When people really care about each other, that's what caused what a beautiful year and what a great run. And uh, we're here in the VIP area. You, you can see the love that persists. 25 years, it hasn't died down a moment. 
and uh, we're so glad to have you today. Thank you so much for talking to us on Voice America. Well, thank you. to the pros we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports dr bruce grossinger is a board certified neurologist and managing partner of grossinger neuropain specialist serving the philadelphia and wilmington delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine pain management interventional spinal surgeries and occupational medicine dr bruce is the director of the national sports concussion program and works as a senior medical advisor for the national high school coaches association we're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Looking for a top show about horse racing and handicapping? Looking to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies website where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. Listen for top plays for the weekend in the spot play of the week and win prizes just for listening. Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer is live Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the third segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're going to go back to the Meadowlands Complex. We're going to have a roundtable discussion with Harry Carson, the captain of the 86 Super Bowl champs, and you'll hear Bill Parcells. I hope you enjoy this clip. Harry, uh, this great weekend together, uh, but let's go back to that that day and uh, you know being drafted by the Giants, being on some teams that played pretty good defense, but weren't very good. Um, and now you're in the latter part of your career. Take me through your moments from that day that stand out most in your mind. Uh, the day of the Super Bowl? The day of the Super Bowl. You know, the weeks prior against uh, San Francisco, you know, I was just so jacked up and so hyped, I couldn't sleep the night before the game. And I remember getting up, walking out of the hotel about 1 o'clock in the morning. I went home, watched film. Watched film all night. 
and then I went and played the game. I was playing on fumes. I mean, it was just so exhausting. Then the following week, I guess, Washington, the same thing happened. I couldn't sleep. I was just so, you know, hyped up. And so I remember walking into a, uh, the training room, and Phil Simpson said, damn, I didn't sleep at all last night. And I was thinking, I didn't sleep at all last night either when I was watching film. But we were really, we were just jacked up for that game. I mean, just the adrenaline rush was just so, so intense. You went into that game, and I'll echo what some of the other guys have already said. There was absolutely no doubt that we were not going to go to and win the game. It was just a question of how much. Because we were all on the same page. We all had the same commitment. Um, you know, that loss against Chicago the previous year sort of set the tone for us, the 86 season. And um, when we went into that game, I could not allow myself to think that it was a Super Bowl. I just kept thinking, yeah, it's just another game. But once we got into the game, I was like, this is the biggest game I'll ever play. And when we played, I was thinking about, for me personally, all of the players who I played with, with the Giants, who had never gotten to that point, Brad Van Pelt, Brian Kelly, you know, all those guys. Um, and, and I wish that they could have been there. And I was thinking about George, George Martin, and how George and I were sort of the lone holdovers from that era back in the 70s when the Giants, literally, they sucked. They were all. And so, I, know, I, I, I think if you ask George, he'd tell you the same thing. Those guys who came aboard as rookies or first-year guys, they could not even feel the same level of excitement that we felt because we went through those down years. We went through the planes flying overhead, trailing the banner, message to Wellington Mirror. We went through the fumble. We went through all the stuff where fans were throwing crap at us you know, as we were leaving the field. But we got to, back to that point where the fans were loving us. Um, we were playing really good football. It, it, was a, it was a team that, you know, I always felt the Giants should have a, a dominant football team. Year in and year out. I always felt that we should play that way year in and year out. Regardless of who the coach is, regardless of who the player is, that, that should be the mindset of that organization. Bill, I'll let you have the last word as the head coach of this group and seeing your players grown into men. Uh, how proud are you of this group of men and the camaraderie that this team has fostered over the years that you set the tone for? I told the team last night uh, when I had the opportunity to speak briefly to them that the thing that I was most proud of was the fact that as the years have gone on and I've tried to check on guys and keep track, and I've always been able to find out when maybe one of these guys was in a little bit of distress for one reason or another. And I know that all the others always went to assist. And there are countless cases of this within this collective group here, both players, coaches, everyone, where they come to each other's need. And that's the thing I'm most proud of because that's what a team's supposed to be. And more than that, that's what a championship team's supposed to be.
Gentlemen, thank you for revisiting some of the great moments of 1986. And, and folks, what you're seeing on display here right now is the Wellington Marathon. Once a giant, always a giant. Thank you, gentlemen. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the fourth and final segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. It's June 21st, 2011, and I'm pleased to be joined again with Dr. Joseph Fernandez of Grossinger Dora Pain Specialists. Dr. Joseph is a gentleman who played professional football for 15 years as a wide receiver and who understands a lot about sports injuries. He completed one of the best sports medicine fellowships at Rutgers University. For review, last week we talked about the most intriguing injury in sports, the ACL injury, the anterior cruciate tear. We talked about the function and cause of ACL injuries. We talked about how women are much more likely to suffer ACL tears than men. And we also talked about how athletes can prevent this by training, improving balance, power, and agility. Today, we're going to talk about actually treating the ACL injury. So firstly, Dr. Fernandez, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Bruce, for having me back. It's always a pleasure. Well, 
Let's talk about the treatment of ACL injuries. And the first question is, do all ACL tears require surgery? That's a very common question that a lot of patients always ask, and the answer is no. No, everybody requires surgery. And when you talk about that to the people, they, they're surprised because they expect everybody to turn the ACL requires surgery, but that's not the truth. There is two important factors. Um, let me put it this way. It's two questions that I always ask the patient, and depending on that answer, I would tell them is they actually require another surgery. One of the, f- the first aspects of the first question that I ask is that, that if the patient or, or the athlete re- regularly perform activities that normally require a function ACL. That's a quick question. So every activity that you do in your daily living require ACL injury, yes or no? That question you should ask yourself. The second question is, do you experience knee instability? I think that's the most inco- important question. So... If the patient or the athletes don't require ACL f- for function and doesn't have any instability on the knee, that patient don't need ACL surgery. And we have another options for that treatment, which include uh, physical therapy, strengthening the muscle around the knee joint, and most recently, one of the new treatments for mainly partially torn ACL is the use of PRP injection which stands for plasma-rich platelets that we're going to talk about in the future segments in this program. So I argue you guys to listen to us to be pending for that topic, which is going to be very interesting because it's one of the new treatments for partially torn ACL just to prevent the surgery. So what you're saying is, let's say we have an athlete who is, um, who's going to retire. Let's say they're a retirement age. They're not going to be doing that sport they could wear a brace. They could do PT. It's a partial tear. Over time, could, could the ligament reconstitute itself? Could it, could it, could it become what we call fibrosed? And, and could it kind of re-anastomose itself? Not completely, but enough just for general function. Definitely. Definitely. Have that potential. Uh, the research is there. It shows. And uh, it's definitely one of the best options right now because nobody wants to go to surgery if you can prevent it. So that is the main question. How active is going to be the person after the injury and how stable is the knee? But the stability is a, is a, is a big point because even a partially torn ACA can give you instability on the knee, and in that part, the patient might require surgery. Another point is, is if the ACL is injury by himself, an isolated injury, or if it's a meniscus involved on another ligament, because in that aspect, if it's more than just a isolated ICL, the patient might need the surgery no matter what. So you're saying that if there are multiple structural problems, that is multiple ligaments, mm-hmm. cruciate injuries, the, the chances of an unstable knee will increase because they're really losing their structure to the knee, whereas if it is a, uh, it's an isolated ACL, and as far as the listening audience out there, we talk about instability. You and I are docs, and we kind of take it for granted. Let's say there's a patient out there, Mr. Jones, who's listening somewhere in Wyoming. He's listening to us now. Give us a suggestion. When you say instability, please, please explain what that means. Instability means when you feel like you need to give a wave on you. Like you're standing with your foot planted on the ground, 
you time to turn to your right or to your left, and you feel that your knee give away. It's like your knee buckle on you to put it in that. So basically, your knee joint is supposed to stabilize things, but if you feel like your knee is real gimpy, it's giving way, mm-hmm. I know some of the people will, with trivial activities, their knee will blow up and become swollen and filled with blood. A lot of times these people need to get their knee drained a lot with fluid. There's blood and fluid. And those kind of patients, in, in my experience at least, they, they tend to be unstable when, they, when they're constantly swelling up, when the knee is popping out of joint. So that's what you mean by instability. Exactly. And when we talk about when you require surgery or not, it's an important point to, to make is that athletes are very different for an average person. Uh, athletes mainly are young people, very active. And in that case of athlete with ACL injury, it's like a 95% that they will go through surgery. Right. So obviously, if, if somebody's going to play at athletics at a high level, even high school, college, or pro sports, you really need the integrity of your ACL, particularly if you're in any kind of a contact sport, certainly one of our sports, hockey or football, and people are, these people are young, they're in great shape, their ability to rehabilitation, their motivation, their nutrition, everything is very favorable. So if we look across the board at athletes who continue to practice their trade, 95% go to surgery. So that leads us into the next question about exactly what happens. What, 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 are, you know, what happens in ACL surgery and what are the different surgical options? I want to point out that Dr. Joe Fernandez is a sports medicine doctor, and we ourselves don't do the surgery. However, what we do is we support the patients before, during, and after the surgery, and we help them rehabilitate it. So we have to know exactly what happens during surgery, and we certainly do. So Dr. Fernandez, I want you to share a bit about what actually happens in ACL surgery. Sure. Um, The RCA surgery um, is called ACL reconstruction. There are several options for that and to perform the ACL uh, reconstruction surgery. And they use three types of graft. The graft that they use include the patella tendon, which is in your kneecap, the hamstring tendon, which is one of the posterior muscles of your lower extremities, and they use also a graft from cadaver graft. It's the least used of the three. Patella tendon is the most common use, followed by the hamstring tendon. The first step of the surgery is to insert an arthroscope into the knee, which is have changed in years. The resource uh, is very good resource because you don't open the knee joint. You just make a little hole, so make less stress to the structures of the knee. So we, it's, it's a great way to do it. So they do an arthroscope into the knee, and then inspect damage to the knee joint, which includes meniscus, other ligaments, or tears of the tendon. So they go inside, arthroscope your knee, make sure that there is no other injury associated with the ACL, and they make sure how is the degree of the torn ACL. The second step is to prepare the graft. So you need to sit down with your dog, they sit down with you, they select which graft they're gonna use, being the patella tendon or the hastings tendon graft. After they select the graft during the surgery, they extract the area, and the third part is to create a place for the new ACL to sit down within the knee. So they're using a drill. 
they place a, uh, a tuner. Sorry for my pronunciation, my Spanish is so strong. <laughs> but they, they make a toner in the femur, which is the stronger bone in the lower extremities, and the tibia bone. So they make two holes, one in the femur and one in the tibia, and that holes are exactly in the middle of the bone. The fourth is to pass the graft through the holes. So if we make a review, first they atroscope the knee, second they prepare the graft, the third is to create the plate for the graft, so they make the holes on the bones, and the fourth is to pass the graft through the hole. The last step of the surgery is to secure the graft, so it's very, very fixed. The most common way to do this is, is a few ways to do it, but the most common way is to use a screw. Like you screwing something like carpentier does. And that's very interesting, and, and the screw have different materials. It's one made from metal. It's the most commonly used because it's a stronger. It's one made for plastic dissolvable. So this can dissolve through the knee, doesn't have to take it off. And the third uh, class of, of screws that they use is calcium-based substance. What it does is that screw turn into bone. So give you a little more strength out of that. So that's pretty much the step of the ACA reconstruction and a single bundle knee surgery, which is the most commonly used at this moment. So with the screw, when they're screwing into the hole, basically they're attaching it to the, uh, the hole on either side of the bone, and the screw is actually screwing into that hole and really attaching to the ligament. And then over time, the ligament is calcifying and becoming part of the bone. So originally, a ligament attaches to bone. So basically, even in the, the dissolvable case, you want to basically keep that ligament firm against the bone, enough for those biological tissues to all grow together and to become as one. And um, so with this ACL reconstruction and rehabilitation with the appropriate amount of time, what is, there, is it, what is the incidence of re-tearing the same ACL after surgery? Mm, that's going to depend patient to patient. Um, the success of the surgery, I was, uh, like I was in the sports medicine conference two weeks ago, and one of the main th things that they say is, th is directly proportional with the expertise of the surgeon. So the success of the surgery is going to depend on how much experience is the orthopedist performing the ACL reconstruction. And it's going to all based on that. And definitely it's, it's so much factor for that question. The rehab is very important. And, and it's, it's a lot of key, those importance. Uh, one thing to the, I want the people to understand is the ACL is, is, is a bundle of fibers. That's why the, the most common is a single bundle. But the ACL actually normally have two bundles. One is anterior medial, which is the longest bundle. And when they, do, when they use a single bundle surgery, that's the graft that they use. They don't use the posterior lateral, which is the second bundle part of the ACL and the smallest one. So they only use one of the two bundles to reconstruct the ACL. So, but... In the recent years, it's a new procedure for knee surgery that is called double bundle ACA reconstruction. It's mainly what it does is um, 
Unfortunately, the ACL, when it tells, cannot repair himself. You cannot sew it together, so you need to replacement. Like we talk about the single board that we talk about, it's just one graph. And what they do now with double bond or reconstruction is instead of placing just one large graph, this procedure used two smaller graphs. So they try to recreate the anatomy of the ACL uh, uh, ligament. So there is essentially two ligaments reconstruction for, from each bundle. It uh, requires two additional tuners in the bond and, and accommodate, to accommodate the graft and one additional incision. So it's a, it's a more complicated procedure. It's mainly new. Uh, there is still no a lot of research and it's still not well understood what is the long-term results. So when I was in the conference, they were debating which is the better procedure, the single bond that has been using for years, or this new approach of the double bonder. And they went to the conclusion that it's still like better the single bonder surgery. Why? Surgeon has more experience on it. It's still very effective if it's work, if it's work done. The double bond, though, the surgeons still don't have the expertise at this moment because it still doesn't, doesn't have a lot of procedures done on it. So when, when they, they went back to see the resource of the surgery is the expertise of the surgeon. So they still recommend the single bond because it's more expertise in the area. And in a few years, this might change when we got a little more research about the resource of the double, double bonder approach. So, basically, I think that this really holds for a lot of procedures in medicine. What, you know, for you people out there to listen to the audience, if you're going to get a surgery, it's best for you to get a surgery which is done by somebody who has a lot of experience. So that is, if there's a specialist who only does that surgery, for instance, use a, a cataracted algae, there's a guy, all he does cataracts. Better off, get the cataract from him. An orthopedic surgeon who does 100 different surgeries, you might, you know, some of the surgeries are easier than others. The ACL is very important. So I would go to somebody who does knees and who does a lot of ACLs, and you should find out and, and get somebody who's referred because experience is important with respect to outcome. And finally, next week, we're going to be getting into how to rehabilitate knees. Obviously, for ACL surgery, this is very, very important. And we'll be talking about different types of physical therapy, rehabilitation, and we'll be getting into the time frame of returning to sports. Dr. Fernandez, we'll talk about different sports. Obviously, my sport, which is tiddlywinks, is much easier to return to than going back to his sport, which is football. In any event, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Next week, we're going to hear more from the 86 Super Bowl reunion from the New York Giants, more roundtable discussions. We're also going to have more sports updates with Spencer the Wizard. And, of course, we're going to progress along talking to Dr. Fernandez about PRP, which is the Tiger Woods procedure, and we're going to talk about re rehabilitating your knee after ACL surgery. So, for everybody... As we always say, Dr. Joe, what's our motto? Go out and work out. Go out and work out. Stop eating bonbons. And we'll see you next week.
Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.